In the annals of Viking history and Norse mythology, the name Bjorn Ironside resonates as that of a legendary warrior whose exploits have captured the imaginations of people for centuries. Bjorn Ironside, also known as Bjorn Ragnarsson, is celebrated as one of the most iconic figures of the Viking Age, renowned for his fearless battles, daring voyages, and enduring legacy. Born in the 9th century, Bjorn Ironside is believed to be the son of the legendary Viking hero Ragnar Lothbrok. His upbringing in a family steeped in Viking lore and warrior traditions undoubtedly played a significant role in shaping his destiny as a formidable warrior. According to the Gesta Danorum, Bjorn earned his name by coming to the aid of his father King Ragnar in battle. When his father Ragnar met King Saul of Sweden, before the battle, Ragnar chose to settle the dispute in the old way, in a fight to the death. Ragnar would summon Bjorn to fight with him in the champion fight, along with Bjorn's two half-brothers, facing the champions of King Saul. It is said that Bjorn inflicted a great slaughter on his foes without taking any wounds. After the champion fight and the battle that followed, Bjorn earned the nickname Ironside. It is believed to have been given to him due to Bjorn's invincibility in battle. This legendary status further cemented his place in Viking lore as an almost mythical warrior. For Bjorn's bravery, Ragnar presented Bjorn with the Lordship of Sweden. After the death of Ragnar Lothbrok, and once the Ragnarsons had avenged their father, Scandinavia was split between Bjorn and his brothers. Bjorn inherited the Kingdom of Sweden due to his champion fight alongside his father many years ago, where he founded the House of Munzo, which ruled Sweden for several generations. His descendants would go on to become the Kings of Sweden. The House of Munzo, a historically significant ancient bloodline, holds a unique place in the annals of history, as it is associated with the legendary Viking warrior Bjorn Ironside. Founded by this renowned legendary figure, the House of Munzo stands as a testament to the valour, exploits and cultural heritage of the Vikings, offering a fascinating glimpse into the world of these seafaring warriors. Due to a lack of preserved sources, little concrete information is known of the Swedish kings during the Viking Age, although Long and elaborate king lists are provided by Icelandic sagas. There are sometimes contradictory mixtures of myths and poetry and poems, which are not considered reliable sources by many scholars. It is impossible to determine what is genuine history and what is myth and legend. The four kings of the dynasty, whose existence is corroborated by multiple sources, and who are thus generally accepted as the real historical kings of Sweden, the historically recognised kings include Eric the Victorious, Olaf the Swede, Anund Jacob and Emund the Old. In medieval Swedish lists of kings, the figure generally accepted as the first king of Sweden is Olaf the Swede, the first Christian king of Sweden and the first Swedish king to mint coins. However, whether myth or legitimate history we will be delving into the lives of some of these figures. In the annals of history, the name Sturbjorn the Strong stands as a symbol of Viking prowess, ambition 
and the relentless pursuit of power during the tumultuous Viking Age. While his life remains shrouded in historical and legendary narratives, the story of Sturbjorn the Strong offers a glimpse into the complex and often enigmatic world of the Vikings. Born in the year 960, Sturbjorn was, according to the Norse sagas, the son of the Swedish king Olaf Bjornsson, a direct descendant of Bjorn Ironside. It is believed that there was once a larger saga of Sturbjorn, but it has been lost. All that remains of him are fragmented works in various sagas. Nevertheless, the mention of a man in several sources often means there is an element of truth, even amongst chronicles and poems that may be considered legend. Sturbjorn was unusually big, strong and violent in nature, and although he was only a little boy, he managed to kill a courtier who accidentally hit him on the nose with a drinking horn. This would convey his violent tendencies from a young age. Upon the death of Sturbjorn's father Olaf, his uncle Eric was appointed as the ruler of Sweden. As the Swedes refused to accept Eric's rowdy nephew as king, thinking him too violent in nature to rule. As a compensation, his uncle Eric gave him 60 well-equipped longships, whereupon the frustrated Sturbjorn took his sister Geirid and left Sweden to raid in the Baltic Sea. One of his greatest feats was conquering the stronghold of the fabled order of the Joms Vikings, a Viking mercenary group who were famed for their military prowess. Sturbjorn would take the stronghold from its legendary founder Palnatok and became the ruler and overlord of the Joms Vikings. After some time, Sturbjorn allied himself with the Danish king Harald Bluetooth and married his sister Geirid to him. Sturbjorn in turn married Harald's daughter Tyra, cementing an alliance. According to historians, Sturbjorn had a son named Torkel Sturbjornsson with Tyra. Torkel would have a daughter named Githa Thorkeldsdottir, who married Godwin the Earl of Wessex, who bore a son named Harold Godwinson, who would become the King of England. So even though Sturbjorn was robbed of his birthright, his descendant Harold would later wear a crown. As well as the 60 ships Sturbjorn commanded gifted by his uncle for usurping his crown, he also commanded the Joms Vikings, and his new ally Harald Bluetooth, the King of Denmark, gave him even more warriors. Sturbjorn was now ready to reclaim his throne in Sweden. He sailed with an armada and would soon arrive in his motherland. When Sturbjorn's navy arrived, he vowed he would never leave Sweden, but to win or die. To encourage his men to fight to the death, he set his ships on fire. This would culminate in the Battle of Filesvillir in the year 986. On the first day of the fighting, the thralls of King Eric would push herds of cattle towards the Joms Vikings, causing havoc among their ranks. However, Sturbjorn was an excellent war chief and restored order. The fight lasted all day, without either side gaining the upper hand. According to one saga, the second night of the battle, Sturbjorn would sacrifice to Thor, but later, a red-bearded man appeared in his camp and spoke a skaldic verse, declaring that he was angry at being disturbed by Sturbjorn and foretold defeat. Eric, on the other hand, went to Odin's shrine 
and sacrificed for victory, promising himself to Odin after ten years. Later that night, a tall man wearing a hat low over his face appeared in his camp, and gave Eric a reed. He told him to shoot it over the opposing army, and to say may Odin have you all. The next day, Eric obeyed Odin's command. The reed appeared to become a javelin, and as it flew over Sturbjorn's forces, who were all struck blind, an avalanche came down from the hillside and buried them all. King Harald Bluetooth and the Danes fled back to their ships and sailed home, when Sturbjorn began burning his own ships. Thus, Sturbjorn the Strong was dead, and the kingship of Sweden was retained by his uncle Eric, now known to history as Eric the Victorious. Eric the Victorious, famed for his mythic and magical defeat against his nephew Sturbjorn the Strong, is the first Swedish king who is attested to in sources independent of each other. Consequently, many of Sweden's lists of rulers begin with him. After Sturbjorn's death in the year 986, Eric would apparently invade Denmark. Due to its king, Harald Bluetooth, having allied himself with Sturbjorn. However, by this point, Harald's son Swain Forkbeard had revolted against his own father and had seized the throne. The conflict between father and son would result in Harald's death. Nonetheless, according to Adam of Bremen, a German medieval chronicler from the 11th century, Swain was a rebellious pagan who persecuted Christians and betrayed his father the first Christian king of Denmark. According to Adam, Swain was sent into exile by his father's German friends and was deposed in favour of King Eric the Victorious of Sweden. Adam wrote Eric ruled Denmark until his death. Eric would die in the year 995, nine years after the fateful battle against his nephew, where he supposedly promised that in ten years he would join Odin in Valhalla in return for victory against his nephew. Eric's successor was his son Olaf, now known to history as Olaf the Swede. King Olaf of Sweden stands as a significant figure whose reign marked a pivotal period of transition and consolidation in the Scandinavian world. Born in the late 10th century, Olaf's rule as the first Christian King of Sweden had a profound impact on the political, religious, and cultural landscape of his kingdom, and the broader Viking Age. Olaf was born to King Eric the Victorious and Queen Sigrid the Haughty, both of whom were prominent figures during the age. One of the most notable aspects of Olaf's reign was his conversion to Christianity. Prior to his rule, the Vikings were predominantly followers of Norse paganism, with the worship of gods like Odin, Thor and Frey playing a central role in their culture. Olaf's conversion to Christianity marked a significant departure from traditional Viking beliefs and practices. In Sweden, the reign of Olaf is considered to be the transition from the Viking Age to the Middle Ages. Olaf's embrace of Christianity was influenced by several factors, including political alliances, and the desire to foster closer ties with the Christianized neighboring kingdoms. His conversion was a carefully calculated move that aimed to bring Sweden into the fold of Christian Europe. 
His conversion was seen as a shock, as his father, Eric the Victorious, had always been a fierce pagan, attributing his reign to the deal he made with Odin. The spread of Christianity had profound consequences for the kingdom's cultural and religious landscape. Christian churches were built, and clerics from Christianized regions were invited to Sweden to help establish the church. The influence of the church on Swedish society began to grow, marking the beginning of a gradual shift from Viking paganism to Christianity. Olaf would ascend to the throne at the age of 15 in the year 995. According to Adam of Bremen, when Olaf's father, Eric the Victorious, died, Swain would return from his raids in England and regained his kingdom. He apparently also married Eric's widow and Olaf's mother, who was a Scandinavian queen named Sigrid the Haughty. Once Swain married Olaf's mother, the two kings became allies. They would soon fight in the largest naval battle of the age, the Battle of Svolder. Olaf Tryggvason, the king of Norway, had taken control of the Viken in southern Norway, an area long under Danish overlordship. Swain Falkbeard felt that Olaf of Norway had deprived him of his share of the land. With Swain and Olaf the Swede being natural allies due to their family ties, they would eventually go to war together against their rival, Olaf Tryggvason. Odur Snorason, a 12th century Icelandic monk, has an elaborate account of how Swain's queen, Sigred, would egg Swain on to go to war with King Olaf of Norway. Swain would then conspire with a longtime ally, Sigvaldi, the chief of the Joms Vikings at that time. Since Swain had been raised by the Joms Vikings, an order of pagan mercenaries, he was able to convince Sigvaldi to lure King Olaf of Norway into a trap. Sigvaldi and his Joms Vikings would then aid Olaf Tryggvason with 11 ships, whilst King Swain Falkbeard of Denmark and King Olaf of Sweden would come with their full fury, bringing over 70 warships to the battle. The Norse sources agree that Olaf Tryggvason fought against overwhelming odds in the battle. The sagas also describe Olaf Tryggvason's fleet and his own personal ship called the Long Serpent, which was said to be the best ship ever built in Norway, and the most costly, with a gilded head of a dragon at its front. In the heat of battle, Sigvaldi, the commander of the Joms Vikings, would desert King Olaf Tryggvason of Norway, which would result in a great slaughter. According to Adam of Bremen, once Olaf Tryggvason's forces had been devastated, and his ship boarded, and upon realizing all was lost, he committed suicide by jumping into the sea whilst in full armour. After the battle, the victorious leaders split Norway into areas of control. Olaf the Swede would gain a part of Trondelag in Norway, due to his part in the battle. Olaf would also plan to tear down the Uppsala Temple, which was allegedly an important cult centre for pagans. The fact that a large part of the Swedes were still pagan forced him to abandon this aim. Olaf's ally Swain Falkbeard would take the Kingdom of England as his own, but he would soon die, leaving his son Canute to fight for the throne there. After Canute became the King of England, 
he sent two of the sons of the deceased King Edmund Ironside to Olaf, supposedly with instructions to have the children murdered. Instead of having them killed, Olaf spared them and sent them to Kiev, conveying Olaf's piety. As these young boys had no allies, and were the last of an ancient Saxon bloodline, that being Wessex and the blood of Alfred the Great. Olaf would die a natural death in the winter of the year 1022. His reign would mark the beginning of the end of the worship of the Old Norse gods and the start of the Middle Ages. His son Anand Jacob would succeed him as the King of Sweden. Anand was born around the year 1008 and was the second Christian king of the Swedish realm. According to chroniclers, Anand's father Olaf ran into trouble with his subjects towards the end of his reign. Olaf's heavy-handed rule caused the Swedes to rise against him, whereby his young son Jacob was hailed as king. The people of Sweden would rise against Olaf and held a thing, which is a governing assembly of free people and jarls, which would elect a new king. Luckily for the house of Munzo, Anand was elected. During the election, the people objected to his name being Jacob, and gave him the Scandinavian name of Anand. Anand came to an agreement with his father, where Olaf would retain his royal title for the rest of his life. But Anand could be the co-ruler, and govern parts of the realm. When Olaf died around the year 1022, Anand would become the sole ruler of Sweden. Anand would also have a heavy-handed rule like his father. He was known to burn down the houses of his opponents. During his reign, King Canute the Great had become the King of England and the King of Denmark. Anand, wanting to maintain the balance in Scandinavia, supported the Norwegian King Olaf Haraldsson against Canute during the 1020s and 1030s. King Olaf II of Norway and King Anand Jacob of Sweden would soon take advantage of the commitment of the Danish King Canute in England, and began to launch attacks on the Danish in the Baltic Sea. The Swedish and Norwegian natives, led by the Swedish and Norwegian kings, would attempt to ambush the navy of King Canute, which was commanded by the Danish Earl Ulf Jarl, who was the regent of Denmark. This would culminate in the Battle of Helga, in the year 1026. Canute's navy was massive, his own ship is said to have been 80 metres long. The battle is retold in skaldic poetry, and in sources such as the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, which states, There were many men lost on the side of King Canute, both Danish and English, and the Swedes had possession of the field of battle. However, Although Anand and Olaf of Norway may be credited for the victory, Canute remained the master of his realm after this attack, and some sources say that Olaf and Anand both retreated after a brief victory, due to the opponent's number being far too great. Canute would soon have King Olaf expelled from his own kingdom by bribing and making deals with his nobles. Olaf would go into exile to Sweden into the court of Anand, while Canute was now the King of England, Denmark and Norway, creating the North Sea Empire. Anand would provide Olaf of Norway with 400 skilled men, 
and allowed him to recruit as many men as possible from his realm. However, Olaf was later killed in the Battle of Stickelstad in the year 1030, making Canute the undisputed King of Norway and the master of the North Sea. Canute the Great would die in the year 1035, and his sons lacked his capacity. The son of the slain King Olaf of Norway, named Magnus the Good, would soon take the Norwegian throne. A son of the late Canute the Great, Hartha Canute, was on the throne of Denmark and wanted his country to reunite with Norway, while Magnus initiated a campaign against Denmark and would begin raiding. However, the noblemen of both countries brought the two kings together and they made a peace agreement and agreed that the first of them to die would be succeeded by the other. When Hartha Canute died in the year 1042, Magnus inherited Denmark as well. Anand Jacob's policy of maintaining a Nordic power balance can be seen in his agenda shift that followed. Anand kept Canute's nephew Swain Ulfsson as a protege and supported his idea to one day retake the Danish throne. This is as he was a direct descendant of Swain Forkbeard, being his grandson. Swain made repeated attempts to establish his authority in Denmark, only to be defeated by King Magnus on each occasion. After every defeat, he found refuge with Anand in Sweden. Magnus died in the year 1047, and left the realm to his uncle Harald Hardrada. While Swain's right to the Danish throne was finally acknowledged, However, a new war flared up between Swain and Harald, as Harald wanted Denmark as well as Norway. Anand Jacob seems to have continued supporting Swain throughout this. However, he would die in the year 1050, and his brother Emund would succeed the Swedish throne. The name Emund the Old holds a special place as the last monarch of the House of Munzo. His reign marked the end of a historic lineage that had played a significant role in the shaping of Sweden during the Viking Age. Emund was the son of Olaf the Swede, and succeeded his brother Anand Jacob as king in the year 1050. According to Adam of Bremen, Emund was baptised, but cared very little for the Christian faith. The Hervarar saga says that Emund was only king a short time. It states, Olaf the Swede had another son called Emund, who came to the throne after his brother. In his day, the Swedes neglected the Christian religion, but he was only king for a short time. Emund earned the name of the old, as he was old when he became king. He was also the last king of the royal house of the Swedes, also known as the House of Munzo, or the House of Bjorn Ironside. He would die in the year 1060. He was succeeded by his son-in-law Stenkil, that married Emund's daughter. He became the first king of the house of Stenkil, which lasted till the year 1125, while the house of Munzo, founded by Bjorn Ironside in the late 9th century, would last until the year 1060. Thus, the direct male line of Bjorn ended. Nevertheless, the enduring influence of the House of Munso and its contributions to the history of Sweden during the Viking Age would last forever. I hope you all enjoyed the video. If you did, make sure to like, subscribe and share, and I'll see you all soon for another History Profile.